Hello and welcome to Talking About Our Beautiful Savior. I am Pastor Alex Groth. And I'm Carrie Groth. This is episode number 10, which is monumental. Double digits. <laughs> yep. I'm gonna. I'm tearing up right now. <laughs> yeah, it's really If you would have told me two and a half months ago oh when we started goodness. this, that we would have reached Alex, 10 Alex, get a hold of yourself. No. This is my, <laughs> my time to shine. No, it's uh, been fun to do nine episodes hopefully this one's fun too I don't hopefully know. I don't know. I'm sure um second week of advent so one week of advent down the theme for this week in worship is come lord jesus as judge before we get into this week's readings and the sunday school lesson we should talk about wednesday night church pastor Wester's sermon was fantastic so good uh just the talking about the the angel come angel gabriel coming to Zechariah and telling him that he would have a baby he and his wife would have a baby in their old old age and that would be John the Baptist who would prepare uh, the way for Jesus we'll talk about John the Baptist a little bit later in this podcast but yeah, there's some really interesting thought-provoking concepts in the mm-hmm. sermon one of them just being uh, Zechariah's lack of belief that God could do what he said he was going to do and then I think the way that Pastor Wester phrased it is that basically <laughs> Zechariah had to shut up for nine yep. months and think about it. And you know, God kept his promise. That was that was a really powerful, powerful concept. Yeah. Yeah. And then the first and second grade choir sang on Wednesday night. They were great. They were so great. Prepare the way for the Lord. So um, yeah, classic Advent worship. Getting ready. Prepare mm-hmm. the way for the Lord. John the Baptist. More of that this week. But first, Sunday school lesson. Yes. Manna? Food from Heaven is Ooh. the official title. Manna, yes. So, it starts out great. Exodus 16. And by great, I mean not great. In the <laughs> desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Aww. As you do. As you do when someone rescues you from spiritual generational slavery <laughs> and bring you out by means of a miracle. Well, of course. Parting the Red Sea and appear by a pillar of fire at night, a pillar of cloud by day. Not good enough. And you're like, this is terrible. <laughs> i do not Word. like this i do I, not like the. <laughs> i do not like that god rescued us and now we're out in the desert and i no fair yeah um but we are like that too so i'm not like that okay i am <laughs> but yeah the whole desert community is grumbling against moses in here and i wrote down uh what they said which is one of my favorite complaints in the bible They're grumbling against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Okay, little emo, a little overdramatic there, I think. Yeah, um, and, you know... (laughs) I was going to say the grass is always greener on the other side, but in this case, it's like the sand is always tanner on the other side softer (laughs) maybe no definitely tanner no it's gonna be the color okay so they're looking at their time in egypt with rose colored glasses as if yeah we had so much fun in egypt it's way you know worse being out here now and they were crying out to god they were Um, oppressed yeah it was terrible they were you know their firstborn children were being killed so obviously they are in a dark spiritual place which Mm -hmm. we we've been there we we still struggle with that um, but just the the arrogance of God has rescued them and for them to be grumbling against God and acting like it was better before is uh, pretty ludicrous. But this is one of those great lessons where you see God's patience. So the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And just wow. think about that. 
You know, they've been grumbling against God, who's done several miracles already. And his response is, you know what? I'm going to do a miracle and feed you. Here's some delicious heavenly bread. Yeah. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses tells us uh, he shared God's word with the people. This is the plan. And then announced that God was going to appear visibly. And you just think, if you're the Israelites, and Moses is like, here's God's plan. Guess what? God's going to show up now. Ooh, I mean, how do you feel? Like, ooh, terrified? You know, we, we've messed this one up, but God doesn't come to destroy them. He just, again, appears as that pillar of cloud and then gives them food. And they get quail at, at twilight, so in late afternoon, early evening, and they get manna in the morning. Do you remember? I'm going to put you on the spot. What does manna mean? What is this? Oh, very good. Yeah, it means what is it? Um, I was wrong. We're told it was white like coriander seed. I was going to look up what coriander seed looked like. Just white seeds. Tiny. Are they really? Do you know that for sure? I have no idea. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) You, okay, I forgot to announce this before. Since this is our 10th episode, (laughs) send in a picture of white coriander seed (laughs) to the podcast. And the first person that does, what's going to be the prize? Um... A shout-out. A shout-out in episode 11, if yeah. we make it there. Okay. Yeah. If we make it there. <laughs> Time will tell. So, white like coriander seed tastes like wafers made with honey. I remember going, we always had Bible class in the morning, or like, um, Bible, I mean, you know, like, whatever the Bible history class was in grade school in the morning. And every time we did the manna and quail lesson, it made me hungry. Yeah. It was like right around, like, you know, we were... Hoping for that mid-morning snack. It was like 9.15. Yeah, somewhere around there. So the quail, I just thought of like chicken. (laughs) And then um, with the, I always thought of, what did I think of when it came to the manna? Like Frosted Flakes. Oh. I was a big Frosted Flakes fan growing up. So the idea of like, oh, I could really go for, (laughs) I could go for some Frosted Flakes and chicken right now. (laughs) (laughs) Classic max of taste. I always thought of those wafer uh, cookies, the like vanilla. What? Oh, the vanilla wafers? The... No. Ooh, maybe I did. I don't know. The the long skinny slabs. What are you talking uh, about? It, they're pink. Some are pink. Some are white. Send oh, in a picture. Wait, what? <laughs> like, never mind. <laughs> I don't know. Like, do they have frosting on them? Well, yeah, in the middle. Oh, those they're... are gross, scary. No, I love those. Those were like mouth watering. That's the manna that I thought about every time. I don't think it was anything like that. Well, definitely we like shall frost, see. Definitely like we? Frosted Flakes. <laughs> so, yeah, amazing that God is responding to their grumbling by feeding them by means of a miracle. And we're told that everyone gathered just as much as they needed, which is a miracle too. Like, they're all gathering different amounts, but whatever amount they gathered, it was just right. And then it melts away over the course of the day. Um, God had told them not to keep any till morning. You know, it was a chance to trust him. Some kept some anyway, and it rotted. So kind of a rude awakening the next day when you go, well, let's see if we have some manna left, and you know you got rotten manna there. Um, they were to gather twice as much on the Friday before the Sabbath. Uh, they wouldn't do that work of gathering on the Sabbath. This was, again, a chance to trust. You know, God says just gather double the normal amount on Friday. And, and it won't turn it, Yeah, it won't rot. That night, you'll have enough. And some people didn't listen. Uh, they go out and try to gather some on Saturday, the Sabbath, but guess what? None there. There's none there. Uh, God had the people save some in the Ark of the Covenant as a lasting reminder of the way that he had fed them. And they ate manna for 40 years. It's a long time. You and I are 38. 
So imagine wow. we've eaten manna and quail, frosted flakes, every day, for and then two more years beyond this. Would you still be like, they're great? Actually, I'm going to say yes, because, like, food to me, the most bland. It's not bland. Food. It tastes like honey. It's so Right. But I'm just saying, like, no, I love, like. Oh, I see. Sorry. Anything. Like, plain pasta, plain rice. Oh, man, it's so good. Hmm. Just eat it every single day. Yeah, I think you and I both have pretty simple tastes. Yes, I could we eat do. the same thing. Like <laughs> tortilla and turkey, like, every single day. Uh, so what's the point of this lesson? Well, the point is God will provide. God continues to forgive us and not just forgive us, but also bless us with bountiful gifts. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that God responds to our grumbling, our ingratitude by providing for us. And then Thanksgiving Day I got to preach. And it's, it's, it's fun to go through all those different devotional texts and you realize that God's providence for us is providing food for us each day. It still is a miracle, even if we don't think of it. Like, I went, I went to Meyer today, and I wasn't, like, you know, wide-eyed the whole time I was going to the store, like, a miracle! Green peppers! <laughs> no, I didn't get green peppers. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it still is a miracle that yeah. God makes food grow and that there's, you know, the complicated process of getting it from, you know, farms or whatever to our table is is pretty cool and we so often take god's providing for granted and he just responds by continuing to take care of us which is amazing so i think for for kids that are listening your families that are listening yeah a good chance to stop and catalog what what blessings did you have today food you know next week is drink next week is water from a rock but just like count your blessings of food today or yesterday or in the last week or the last month it's just um and one more thing, I in the let's see, yeah, the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving for Teen Group, we were talking about how interesting it is interesting it is in America to have Thanksgiving and Black Friday back to back. It is so it's like quite you know, a day dedicated to being grateful, and then it's immediately like celebrate our day. Give me that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we talked about that last week in the podcast. Not, too, not about, like really, but, yeah, bit, but it yeah. is it is interesting. It is gratitude is elusive. We yep. we so easily move on to what I don't have. And this yep. is a lesson to stop and think how God does give us. Anything else there? No, I just love I just love this lesson. I do too. All right, first lesson is Isaiah 11. It starts by talking about a shoot that will come up from the stump of Jesse. A branch will bear fruit. That's talking about Jesus. And that's a good picture. You think of a stump. You know, so you cut down a tree and there's just like a stump out in the woods. And that's it's dead. There's yep. it's. It's literally cut off. Nothing is coming. From so the idea of a stump having a, a brand new, not just like little shoot come out of it, but like a branch that's healthy enough to provide fruit, that's that's not how it works. So it's a striking, attention-getting picture. The family line of David was a disaster. You know, after David and Solomon, the those next lines of, of kings just do a terrible job. And by Isaiah's point, so that's like, 250 or so years later it was israel's spiritual state was terrible so you have this line of david that had meant so much to god's people over the course of the years this line of the promise and now it's it's a stump that's cut off but you know god says don't worry out of that stump is going to come jesus this branch we hear a little bit about the messiah in this section it says the spirit of the lord will rest on him and part of the 
Those blessings of having the, the Spirit of the Lord resting in him include things like wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, and the fear of the Lord. And all those things describe Jesus to a T. And when you think of Jesus here on this earth, it's easy to think about his miracles because they're very attention-getting. Think about him on the cross, which is crucial. But just how wise he was, the decision-making that Jesus made as, as true God, uh, which we needed him to do. The, the fear of the Lord, which is an underrated characteristic that you and I should want to have, that I respect God. I respect God too much to ignore him. I respect God too much to not hear his word and believe in him and all those things. The reason I think this reading gets placed on this Sunday with the, the judgment theme, it says, He will not judge by what he sees or hears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. So Jesus is going to be a really good judge. And then it says, it has some sort of intense imagery here. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and righteousness will be his belt. So, I don't know. Do we like the idea of Jesus being a judge who strikes the earth with the rod of his mouth, a judge who wears faithfulness as a sash around him? Do we like that? Wow, well, that's a deep question, Alex. Um, we should like it, Yeah. But do we? I mean, well, okay, no. And why don't we? I mean, why Why doesn't, this isn't, I don't think this is one of our favorite pictures, Jesus is judged. Because we don't, we don't necessarily want to have to think about, like, what I, I am going to be accountable for mm -hmm. these decisions that I'm making. Every, yeah. like, this, what I do with my life, what I think and say, it's, it matters. Yeah. So, when you tell me that the Messiah is going to come and be my judge, that puts me on edge a little bit, unless I understand that he's coming to be a judge who helps the needy, and I'm the needy. I'm spiritually impoverished. I'm spiritually poor. So he's he's coming to judge righteously, but unfairly, in a sense. He's coming to uh, judge me according to his, his word, his gospel promises. So... I don't need to be afraid of judgment because I know what the judgment is going to be. It's going to be not guilty, even though I'm super guilty. Um, the pictures of peace. Pastor Wester talked about some of these pictures in chapel this week. The wolf lying down with the lamb, the calf and the lion, and a little child will lead them. Uh, a kid playing by a viper's nest, a baby playing by a cobra's nest, and you know, just kind of not being afraid. And when... You were in chapel, so this week he put a picture up of a, a wolf, and he had just kind of like photoshopped a lamb a onto lamb. the picture. And as soon as he showed it on the screen, there was a gasp in the sanctuary from some of the kids. Like, <laughs> that lamb. <laughs> that poor lamb. And it, it, like, it was funny because he kind of stopped and like took note of that. Like, yeah, you know, that's like the point. Right. You know, a wolf, you put a lamb and a wolf in the same room, it, you don't think it's going to go well. But that's why Isaiah's the Savior is going to bring this peace, you know, the, the kind of peace that enemies will not want to fight against each other. And we talked about that last week, the whole mountain range idea, the now and the not yet. So the full peace won't happen until this world is over or, you know, we get taken to heaven as individuals. We think that Advent wreath uh, with the candles in the front of church, you know, the peace, love, hope, and joy, one of those lines on there is peace, you know, that God is has come to bring peace. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what, what's the key peace that he's brought? It's between us and God. The war is over. Other thoughts on Isaiah 11? I mean, I just love that picture of, you know, like this, the, this ferocious animal, mm -hmm. like a lion, 
lying down with what what was the line with um the calf the calf like like they're friends and they're like happy and that's just (laughs) amazing yes they are because they're hanging out yeah i mean like that is such a great Mm -hmm. picture of peace it really is yeah yeah it's attention i love it that's what's waiting for us Gospel, Matthew 3, John the Baptist, out in the wilderness. I like to think if we had adopted, like, a John the Baptist ministry <laughs> approach. And it was just yeah. like, me. Like, where did I go? I don't know. I'd have to, like, find some field uh, and just, you know, go scream about go to the, zoo, the I guess and the repentance, the need for repentance. Your camel skin yeah, clothes and, camel and skin. your grasshoppers. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to eat a bunch of, gra- you know, grasshoppers Locus. and scream about <laughs> repentance. Which obviously is just sort of, that's not really fair to John the Baptist. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the power of God's word is amazing. That here we have this this prophet and, you know, it, his clothing and his habit, his, you know, dietary habits seem weird to us today. But fairly common for a prophet at that time. Was and, it? Locusts and honey. I mean, that's just what, right. what poor people ate at that time. He's living right. out in the wilderness. So, I mean, I I think it's it's you know he's he's wearing the attire of a prophet. Yeah. That's that's why we're noting that in the gospel that this is what he's wearing, oh, and people are streaming out to him like they're making mm-hmm. the journey out to the wilderness. They're not like driving two exits down. They're walking out into the wilderness to go hear him preach and be baptized. Wow. So. It's a reminder that God's word is powerful. It's a message of repentance. Basically, like, sin is bad. You can't fix this problem of sin yourself. Rely on God. And, you know, God the Holy Spirit will make that change in your heart. Um, Matthew notes that it's a fulfillment of Isaiah 40. So Isaiah had said before the Savior comes, before the Messiah comes, there will be a, a forerunner to prepare the way. And that's exactly what John is doing. I, just, I made a note for myself that John is the embodiment of Advent. And the whole concept of preparing, getting ready, looking ahead. Um, that's John the Baptist. Just he's he's doing exactly what we're trying to do this month of Advent is get ready for Jesus to arrive. Um just a few more things. This it's kind of an intense section. We think of John the Baptist as being kind of this very warm figure in a way he is. But he also he has a strong reaction to the Jewish leaders that come out to see him. And they're not coming out to be baptized. It seems more like they're just curious. Like, where are all these people going? It's almost like, like well, what's this, you know, out wilderness preacher doing? Let's just go check it out. So he calls them, you brood of vipers. And the idea there, I think, is the you know sneakiness of them. They're poison. They're spiritual poison. Pointing people to themselves as the key to salvation. He's saying, you're vipers. You're, you are poisoning the people's hearts and minds with your false teaching and you're doing it in a sneaky way he tells them to produce fruit in keeping with repentance so he's not just insulting them i mean what is he trying to do for them he wants them to repent so they can be saved yeah he wants them to go to heaven too he wants them to be baptized and mean it so uh, we we read a section like this and i think you know so I'll, I'll, i'm doing the liturgy on sunday and i'll read it and i think at first glance you're kind of like well john's kind of a jerk but then you think what his words mean, he's trying to get these guys to go to heaven. Yeah. That's his goal. What a like what a good thing for us to keep in mind is we, you know, we're we're in those delicate situations mm-hmm. where we wanna confront someone we love with, you know Yeah. It, but sometimes yeah, you have to say be, hard things. Yeah. And we need to. Right. He says the axe is already at the fruit of the root of the tree. 
And then he finishes with this picture of Jesus with a winnowing fork and bringing the wheat into the barn, but burning up the chaff. So again, there's that end, end times aspect of Advent, the ju judgment day. Jesus is going to come back. So you know, when, when Jesus came, you know, his first time here in this ministry on earth, he doesn't really come with a winnowing fork, I mean, other than preaching the law. But judgment day, he will. So John is saying, like, there, you got to be serious about this because there's there's going to come an end, end date. There's an expiration date on your life for this world. And Jesus won't just kind of laugh off our sin and say, oh, you know what, it's fine. No, that he died for our sin. And that's how seriously God takes it. But then he also says, this is the only way. I am the only way to avoid this punishment. Uh, anything else about Matthew 3, John the Baptist in general? No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a it's a striking lesson, and I think John the Baptist is the the focus on Jesus. The the baptisms that are taking place are, are comforting, but it also there's a there's a wake up call there too. It just my my mind always goes to the hymn. There's a voice in the wilderness crying. Mm -hmm. That kind of like feeling. Speaking of hymns, Ooh. do you want to read? So we've got a newer hymn this week. Called Long in Darkness Israel Wandered. Do you want to read that? Sure. Long in darkness Israel wandered. Long in mortal shadows we walked in bondage and self-pity. Trod in paths of sin and grief. In the prophet's words he told us, long the God of Israel spoke. He alone in strength would save us from the hands of all our foes. Every valley be exalted. Every mountain be made plain. Crooked ways, repent and straighten. All creation bend in praise. So just, just stop there for a second. And there's that strong Isaiah 40 imagery of preparing a path for God. And then if you want to read verse 2, that really fits with our, our Isaiah 11. He shall raise a mighty Savior, born of David's lineage. He comes in covenant love to claim us from our sins to set us free. Light to those who dwell in darkness. Life to those from death who flee. Joy unto the earth and gladness to your pathways, dawning peace. Yeah, it's very good. This is the, the first hymn we'll sing on Sunday. It's that being freed from darkness. Um, that's what, I think that's why so many people were coming out to see John the Baptist, because he was promising a message of light and hope, and they hadn't heard that for a long time. So it meant a lot to them. All right, final questions. Why do we get so comfortable with the concept of judgment as Christians? Judgment Day. Let me talk about that. I mean, we, we spent end time talking about that. We talked about that in Advent. Why do we get so comfortable with that concept? We touched on that before. So comfortable because we know where we stand. Um, when Jesus comes as judge, we know that we have been made righteous because he gave us his righteousness. So that's like amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said before, I think Jesus as judge is not our favorite picture of him. And I, I think, you know, for understandable reasons, the idea of being judged, we don't really like it. We know that we've messed things up. We know we should be guilty. And yet there's a good way to become comfortable. I think, I think it's a positive that we get so comfortable with the idea of judgment because we know, like you said, it's, it's Jesus in our place. What would it look like to be too comfortable with Jesus as judge? When does it become a negative? I think if we, since we know, well, 
you know, I've got faith in Jesus as my savior and he covers my sin. So now, you know, okay, this one isn't such a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, well, this isn't either. And then it just, you continue to allow little by little sin just kind of takes over. Yeah. You stop caring about it so much. I think sometimes people have gotten in trouble with the law so much and they've kind of like skated through that the idea it just becomes like kind of a joke like you know i'm not nothing really bad's going to happen to me as just thinking about this uh this guy that used to play football antonio brown is in the news this week there's a warrant out for his arrest and i was just listening to like this this show kind of walk through all the different ways he's been in the news for doing pretty bad things the last couple of years since he you know he was out of the nfl and then he came back and it's like how does he even take any of this seriously at any point? Because he gets in trouble, he shows up in court, you know, that he gets like, you know, parole or whatever, or they, you know, probation or whatever, and it just doesn't, it doesn't ever seem to really sink in. So I think the message he's received is, I can do whatever I want, and I might have to, you know, go to court and like say, you know, it's fine, I'm, I'm sorry, but ultimately they're not really going to do anything to me. And I think there's a danger of that as Christians knowing that the verdict in the courtroom is going to be not guilty. So why would I really care about sin if it doesn't really matter? If I know that I'm going to go scot-free. So a good a good Sunday to stop and think, no, our sin is real bad. The axe is at the root of the tree. Not because, you know, well, it's because our, our sin is, God takes it so seriously to stop and think about my sin. Understand it's forgiven, but not use it as a license to then do whatever I want. Last question, how did Advent help you this week? Um, man, so many ways. I, I, a lot of the Advent hymns have been going through my head. Um, like, behold, behold a branch is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like that, that amazing picture of both Jesus coming as a baby, um, and then Jesus coming at the end of the world. Yeah, the juxtaposition of that. That's good. Uh, I got to see someone in the hospital yesterday and, you know, just hours before that hearing all these Advent promises, it was good for me to kind of just be able to take them to someone in a tough situation and just say, let's let's really listen to what God is saying here. Because if we listen to him, like you know, Zechariah ultimately listened to God, it's, it's for our, our benefit. This God can do anything. God who can give a child to a couple in their old age, this God who can become a human being in the flesh like if if we're really listening to him mm-hmm. our life can can go more smoothly because we we believe that he loves us and will do whatever's best for us that picture of peace um just like when you know when we get to heaven it'll be like you know mm-hmm. the wolf and the lamb lying together but like we have that now um because we we can live as if we have that now mm-hmm. because we do have that piece. It's funny as you're talking about the <laughs> wolf and the lamb lying down together, the dog is like growling. growling. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not how it works. Lamb, lambs don't lie down. We get it, Melville. It's okay. All right, should we be done? Yeah. Okay, well, really great things waiting for us in worship this Sunday. Um, fifth or eighth graders are singing in the 11 o'clock service. Great Sunday school lesson. Um, Yeah, have a great week and God's blessings to you. See you later. Bye.